I think the immediate association with wealth is money, status, power. Not that those things don't matter. Let's acknowledge that that, that like mm -hmm. they help. Um, but those alone won't make you feel wealthy. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with me, Patrice Washington. I am so excited to welcome you back for another episode. If you're brand new here, here's what you need to know. Here at Redefining Wealth, we believe that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the original 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. And today's guest completely exemplifies that. You are going to learn from Jonathan Fields. He's an award-winning author, a top-ranked podcaster as well, and he is doing phenomenal work around tapping into your unique imprint to find the work that you are called to do in the world, and you know I am so big on that. So before we jump into this week's episode, let me break down the affirmation of the week. You know, you got to speak positivity into your life, into your day. You got to affirm positivity. You got to affirm abundance. You got to affirm yourself to well. This week's affirmation is, I am committed to doing the work that makes me come alive. I know that I was born with purpose, on purpose, for purpose, and I am excited to see how that manifests into what I spend the bulk of my life doing. I do work that sparks joy, meaning, and fulfillment, and recognize that this was nothing I had to force. Rather, this is what flowed as the byproduct of me being radically honest about what makes me feel good when I'm fully being myself. I embrace what being sparked is allowing me to do and who it's allowing me to serve in this season. I am committed to doing the work that makes me come alive. Today's guest is Jonathan Fields. He's a father, husband, executive producer, and host of one of the top-ranked podcasts in the world, Good Life Project. The award-winning author of Sparked, Discover Your Unique Imprint, The Work That Makes You Come Alive, Jonathan has founded multiple companies focused on human potential, currently helming Spark Endeavors, where he developed the groundbreaking Spark Type Assessment, a tool used by companies and organizations to identify, embrace, and cultivate work that makes people come alive while helping leaders unlock purpose, engagement, and potential. Without further ado, here is Jonathan Fields. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Jonathan. Uh, so good to be here with you. Thanks so much for inviting me. I am so excited. I took the assessment last night and I was blown away by these results. You have to take us back. What led you down this path of wanting to create this type of work for, for us to benefit from? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think one that I've been asking myself a lot um, recently. And the truth is the, the origin of my just deep interest in this thing called work and how it makes us feel, it goes back decades. Um, in no small part, I think, to 9-11. Um, up until very recently, I was a lifelong New Yorker. I was in New York City when 9-11 happened. And knew somebody who didn't come home that day. And it, it, it you know, at the same time, I had just started um, a, a new business. I was a dad of a three month old child with a new home married. And it made me really reflect on the fact that we only get one pass through, you know, and we can plan and we can plan and we can plan, but there are no guarantees. No, nobody gets any promises made. And how do we use this time that we have really, not just wisely, but in a really nourishing way? You know, um, and th that, that word wealth, like redefining wealth, like in everything that you're about, right? Like what, how do we define that more broadly? So it's all parts of life, right? And I focused on work a lot because that's the thing so many of us do. 
from, you know, for our waking hours for our entire adult lives. Um, and I really start to think, you know, how do we spend that time in particular in a way that makes a contribution to the world, but also fills us up along the way. So a lot of the early really questioning was set in motion two decades ago um, for me, and then has been a process of experimentation, um, teaching, coaching, um, having the incredible opportunity to sit down with some of the smartest researchers and founders and builders and makers in the world for many, many years. And then about five years ago, um, really crystallized into a body of work. And I started to ask the question and said, you know, I wonder if I could map a set of universal impulses or imprints for work that makes us come alive, that exists across every person, every culture, every country. What if that's even possible? Like, do these things exist? And it became a bit of a quest for me. Uh, I didn't know if it was possible. I didn't know if they existed. And I thought if they did, it would probably be thousands of unique ones. And what I started to realize was that there are certainly actually millions and millions of unique expressions of these deeper impulses in all of us. But it's a really small set of universal, like the real DNA label, like source code impulses for work that gives us that feeling of coming alive and it distilled down to 10. Um, I actually don't love the fact that there are 10 because it feels a little too slick for me, <laughs> but, uh, but that's where we landed. And once, once we got to that place and started thinking, okay, so are these real? How do we actually figure it out? So we started running by you know, all sorts of different people and getting input and then companies and clients. And then we built an assessment in 2018. It took a whole year to build this assessment. And by the way, we started calling these things sparkotypes because it was just a fun way to shorthand the archetype for work that sparks you. And we developed this assessment in 2018 and we sort of released it into the wild after beta testers and beta testers. And we were just completely blown away by the response. As we have this conversation today, about 660,000 people have completed this assessment, generating over 32 million data points. So now we know these are real. These are- Oh real. my gosh, Jonathan. Um, yeah, and is, it, is it real? I did mine last night. And before we dive into what some of the spark types are, I did this last night and I literally sat up in the bed because I knew <laughs> I wanted to do it before the interview. And I was blown away by all three um, that came back for me. And we can we can dive into that in a second. But something that you said that I really want to touch on, and I touch on this a lot in the work that I do with my clients as well the impulses and the imprints the impulses literally that thing that you were already born with what i find is that so many of us are trying to force ourselves to do work that is just not even in the realm of what we're remotely attracted to doing and we're struggling because we're trying to force ourselves to be maybe a picture of what our mom wanted or who we think we should be or what it should look like. How, how have you seen this play out in, in what you've been doing? Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm so on board with that lens. You know, I think we get, we, we're raised and so many of the expectations and values of our family, our friends, our chosen family, our local culture, they, they get transferred into us and we just say yes to them without realizing we said yes to them. And we start to build our lives and make our choices built around it, never really asking, does this represent me? You know, is this an emanation of something that's deeper inside of me? Does this align well, or is it in conflict with it? And I feel like, interestingly enough, right now, at this moment in time, we're seeing a lot of people now dropping back into all those really big questions and realizing they never actually chose for themselves. And now they want to, you know, they're kind of realizing, I don't, the thing that got me here um, isn't making me feel the way I hoped it would make me feel. So how do we, how do we re-examine those deeper things and maybe make different choices? And I think you're right. I think so much of it comes from the outside in when we were younger. We just never questioned it, yeah. you know, and we never, and that stops us from acknowledging that there's actually something on the inside that's unique and distinct to us that really matters. Um, and as much as there's a lot of struggle and a lot of pain, that I think it's important to acknowledge in this moment. At the same time, you know, the, the, the reckoning is leading to a bit of a reclamation of who we really are more deeply down. And I think that's actually, that's a good thing. 
It is. And I, I've seen that so much in the last few years with the people that I serve. You know, one of the things that I was really adamant about when the pandemic first hit was sharing with my community that, yes, the, we're in the midst of a crisis, but purpose isn't postponed. There's still something that you are being called to do, and this is going to be a great time to examine that and be radically honest with yourself and then others about what that could look like for you and take the time to really dive deeply. I know in the book you discuss you discuss a state of existence that you called being sparked, and you break that down into five domains, this idea of being sparked. And I know that it starts with purpose, which is my favorite thing to talk about. So can you share with us those five domains and what they mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we started doing this work and I said, okay, so um, what are these different imprints that give us this feeling? I, I thought it was also really important to identify, well, what is that feeling actually? Because we've all felt it. Often it's pretty fleeting, but we kind of know what it is when we're in it. But I said, okay, so, but what are the, like, what are the menu? Like what goes into that recipe of coming alive or feeling sparked? So start to drill it down, distill it into these five really easily identifiable states. And when they overlap, like the Venn diagram of all of them, that's when we have this feeling of being sparked. So those five are, as you mentioned, first purpose, right? And that functions on two levels in my mind. One is this immediate sense of purpose. Like you're working towards something, you know what it is and it matters to you. But then more broadly, also this sense of purpose in life, like you're, you're doing the thing that you feel put here to do. And I think we kind of move between them very often. So one is purpose. The second is access to flow. And that's that state where you literally feel like you lose track of time, but in a really good way. You know, it's not like you blink and it's only been 10 minutes and you have nine more hours at work. It's the opposite. It's like, you show up and you become so absorbed, so lost in an activity or a pursuit. And it's so joyful when you're in it that you blink and you feel like you've been doing it for 10 minutes and really 10 hours have passed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we know that there are tremendous benefits to this state too. So the second piece is flow. The third piece is what sort of like in the corporate world they call engagement, but I like to use just easier terms, which is excitement and energy. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're excited to do this thing even if you know it's gonna be a lot of hours and even if you know it's gonna be hard, you still, you know, you can't wait to do it. And when you do it, it energizes you. It leaves you more energized than depleted. The third, the, the fourth piece of the puzzle is what I, what I call full expression. So we get to bring all of ourselves to this thing. We don't feel like we're living two lives. We don't feel like we're being stifled. Our identity, our sense of taste, our abilities, our skills, it's all being brought to it and fully expressed. And that also wraps around to the fifth piece, which is meaning. You know, that we, we have a sense of meaning, um, that, that what we're doing actually matters to us and maybe more broadly to the world around us. So when we do something, and it's sort of like, it, it allows us to step into those five different feelings at the same time, it's really astonishing, you know, and that's the feeling that I call being sparked or coming alive. And it's not something that I think any of us can live in. You know, we kind of go in and out of it. It's very hard to sustain that. But the more we can actually be in it and the more fully we can feel those five different things, I just think the better life feels. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I love how you've been able to really make it clear for us, because I think so often, like you said, we're not always in it. And I find that if you have a piece of it, and it, and it leaves for a moment, then we start to question the gift. Like we question, am I really called to do this? Is this, am I supposed to be helping these people? Like, what was I thinking? But the way that you have it laid out, um, I just truly identify with all of those domains. As you were sharing it, I'm like, I've been sparked. I've, I'm sparked <laughs> to do, awesome. to do so, what I'm called to do. So I'm curious, by the way, because I know you focus so much on purpose. What, what's your take on purpose? Like how, how you do you like define or describe that? Yeah, so when I talk about purpose, this the first thing that I let people know is that I don't believe in this idea, um, follow your passion and the money will come, which we've all heard, right? That has never really sat well with me because I am energized about other things that I'm not necessarily proficient in and they don't feel purposeful, but I'm energized and they excite me like singing in the shower. But I tell you, I'm no Whitney Houston, Jonathan. It's not anything you wanna hear 
and nothing I should be pursuing publicly. Um, but I believe that purpose is how you use your God-given gifts to be of service to others. And in giving of yourself, typically when you see the impact that it can have on others, for me, that's what has created the meaning and the fulfillment and even the flow because I kind of vibe off of Right. Like, how is this making people feel? And do I want more of that? Do, do I want to dial that up a bit? And it usually leads me to the next best thing. So that's how I've looked at purpose. Passion is for me. But when I can connect it to something deeper and make it about other people, for me, that becomes purpose. Every other month, I attend a Super Friends brunch where we talk about everything from purpose to pursuing new dreams and even menopause. Yep, you heard me, menopause, because if you're over 40 and your girlfriends don't keep it real, I don't know what to tell you. But we have these important conversations because how can we redefine wealth if we're not keeping up with our hormonal health? Now, we discovered Happy Mammoth. It's the company that created Hormone Harmony, and it's dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for us. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. Hormone Harmony contains herbal extracts called aptogens that help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally. And any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take Hormone Harmony. It's perfect for hot flashes, night sweats, menopause-related brain fog, sleeplessness, occasional bloating and gas. You get the picture. Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. And for a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com by using the code RW at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RW for 15% off. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Cool. No, that, I, love, I love that distinction. Yeah. So... I was, as we said, doing the assessment last night. It made me sit up in my bed. Now, I did not know the 10 different spark types. I had no idea. I just took it blindly, right? Um, and the first one that came up for me was sage. Can you, can you break down yeah. what sage means? Yeah, and, and, and probably I'll give just a little bit of context so people yeah. can talk about here too. So when you take the assessment, you actually learn three things. We call it your spark type profile you learn your primary spark attack. And you can think of this as sort of like your strongest impulse for work or for effort that gives you that feeling of being alive. You learn what we call your shadow. You can think of this as your runner up, like your second place. It lives in the shadow of the primary, but oftentimes it has this really kind of cool nuanced relationship with the primary in that you do it, you're good at it, it makes you feel good. But also you do it in no small part because it lets you do the work of your primary at a higher level. And then you learn a third thing. Um, and then we just built this into the algorithm of the assessment last year, actually. We call this your anti-sparkotype. And this is the work that tends to be the heaviest lift. Uh, it takes the most to motivate you to do it. When you do it, it takes the greatest amount of recovery. It just, it takes an inordinate amount out of you without really being objectively all that hard. But you just experience it as like, oh, wow. I, I would almost do anything not to have to do this. Um, it doesn't mean you don't have to do it, by the way. It may be a part of your job or your work or the role that you said yes to. I mean, there are a lot of things about, like if your primary role is actually as in parenting or caregiving, there's a lot that's amazing and wonderful and purposeful for that. And there's also stuff that's really hard that, that you struggle with that may be really outside of the stuff that comes naturally to you. And the same thing in your job. So those are, those are the three pieces. So, so if your primary was the sage, Wait. So, Wait, Jonathan, yeah. I, I'm going to actually take us to break because okay. I really want to dive. I really want to dive deeply into this because literally I took it and I debated, should I send this to my team? Because they <laughs> clearly already know <laughs> what, what one of these are. They already are going to like fully go into the, how did you, how did you call What did you call the third one? 
the, the anti-spark attack the anti-spark yeah. attack like they are going to go mm-hmm, that's it for sure let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with my whole breakdown what's up og listeners and purpose chasers guess what time it is it is purpose challenge time you know every year i like to you know really take this chase purpose not money to the next level by teaching you live in real time for five nights all of the things that have helped me evolve and go from literally scraping up change to embracing my purpose and building a thriving platform and i'm going to teach you because i want you to chase purpose not money right now go to thepurposechallenge.com and get signed up we begin on sunday march 27th and it is going to be incredible everyone who's been through a challenge i'm telling you literally their minds are blown because of how much is really given and how supportive the community is this is about chains breaking. This is about you getting clarity. This is about you being empowered to take your next best step so that you can literally chase purpose, not money. So join me starting March 27th at 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm also gonna be doing tons of giveaways and the only way that you can enter for the giveaway is to be registered for the challenge. And trust me, engagement pays, so you wanna come on over. Come to thepurposechallenge.com. I can't wait to serve you. I am so excited and I hope that you're excited too to finally embrace your purpose and take it to the next level. I'll see you there. Okay, Jonathan, before the break, we were gonna get into my primary sparkotype, which is Sage. So can you break down a little of what the Sage is? Yeah, so the sage, the, the fundamental impulse for the sage, it's all about awakening insight in others. This is about the process of illumination. So like for the sage, you probably spend a lot of time learning. Sages tend to spend a lot of time learning. But the thing is, they're not learning so much because they just have a deep fascination with like a body of work or something else. They're learning because they want something to share with other people. They're learning because they really, and not just, they don't want to just know something. They want to have a level of mastery and nuance and understanding. So when they turn around and they share with others and you know, for the purpose of awakening insight, and they know all the questions are going to come back to them, they really they can they can answer those questions and they can get into it. They can build the conversations around it in a way that makes them and those who they're sharing with feel confident and what they're doing. Like you see the light bulbs. It's not enough to just transmit what you've learned. You want to see the light bulbs go on. You want to see insight, not just information, but insight. And I'm watching you nod along. You're like, yep, check, check, check. That is it. And I think my clients would totally agree. They're listening to this and they're going, uh-huh, that's Patrice. And I often tell this story, Jonathan, about my first grade teacher, Miss Boynton. So in first grade, uh, I was already a smart kid. Right. And I would raise my hand every question, put my hand up, me, 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 pick on me. And one day my teacher, Ms. Boynton, said, Ms. Cunningham, put your hand down. And I was so upset. I put my head down on the desk. I couldn't believe she embarrassed me this way. And she said, you're staying in for recess. And I stayed in and she came to me. She said, I know that you're smart and I know that you have the answers, but that's not enough. If your friends are struggling, it's not good enough that you're the only person that knows you have a responsibility to help and to teach people. And literally, I have never forgot that conversation. She was the first person to really nurture this thing in me. And she allowed me when I was done with work to get up and go around and help my friends. And this was in first grade. Mm -hmm. I'm getting chills and, for sharing that story. It's so beautiful. And from that moment, from that moment to this, the deep desire to learn things, as you said, not just for the sake of learning, but for the sake of being able to make it easier for my friends, now my audience, my community, to learn these lessons, that is the thing that drives me. I'm actually um, completing right now an MBA program in behavioral finance and financial psychology. And so it's already seven figure business, like all of these things that I've done and people go, why the heck would you go back to school? And I couldn't really explain it. I'm like, I just wanted to know there's all this work that I've done with people over the years. And a lot of the, my ways of being and my coaching have been very intuitive. 
And then I realized there's research that backs all this up. Let me go learn the proper terminology <laughs> so I that I that. can go deeper. Um, and yeah. so I was reading that and I was like, yeah, so so you want to hear something, and, and this is actually, your story is so beautiful, and, and one of the reasons why is because what was popping into my head as you were sharing that is that so often for sages very early in life, the exact opposite happens. So the sage tends to show up as like just constantly wanting to, to teach other people, say like, I know this, or like, let me, let me share it. And when you're, when you're a bit older and you sort of, quote, earn the right to be in the role of that person, people take you seriously. But when you're younger and you start to step into that role, people will sometimes look at you and say like, no, 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 like you haven't really earned the right to be that person yet. You need to just be quiet for a while. You need to just bottle it up. You need to spend years and years and years learning. And that can be incredibly defeating and stifling. For I had those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I had those experiences. And that's why I always acknowledge Miss Boynton for being the first. But as I went through my life, there were several times that people told me, you're too young. You you haven't lived long enough. That's very idealistic. Who do you think you are? I remember looking so young when I first started my real estate and mortgage brokerage at 21 years old during senior year in college that I would like put on additional clothes and like carry myself a certain way because I wanted to be taken seriously. Um, and, and typically if people gave me a shot, it was fine, but it was always, always the initial impressions of like, who does this girl think she is? So, yeah, and, and, and it's a pretty common story for sort of like younger sages. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me tell you my shadow. My shadow is the advisor. Got it. So, and, and by the way, just a reminder for, for everyone tuning in, the shadow doesn't mean this is your, your opposite. It's not shadow like the young Ian um, type thing. Mm -hmm. It's really, think of it as your, your, your runner-up or your second place. It lives in the shadow of that primary. So the impulse for the advisor is to guide others through a process of growth. And we see that the, um, the, the, the sage and the advisor um, are really, really complementary impulses. The difference is often um, the advisor is much more about building a container of safety and trust and working in an intimate way over a period of time. With, it could be an individual, it could be a group, a team, a company, a leadership team, whatever it may be. But the sanctity of the container and the depth and the quality of that trusting relationship is also really central over time. And the interesting thing about the advisor too is a lot of people, like if the advisor came up as your primary, a lot of people who have it as a primary will say, yeah, I've been the one that people have been turning to for advice my whole life. They want to know, tell me what you think, what should I do, this or that. And what we've learned about the advisor impulse is that it operates at the highest level when you actually don't tell people what to do, when you don't give specific advice, but you rather, you understand how to create that container of safety and trust. And you become really masterful at understanding how do I, how do I create a conversation, a, a set of frameworks and prompts where I can lead somebody through a process of awakening themselves and have the answers come from them. Because then, the level of buy-in and action taking that gets built around that is just profoundly different. So for you, the pairing of the sage, this deep impulse to awaken and share what you know, and the advisor of like, and we're going to create this container of safety and trust, and I'm going to walk alongside you as you do this thing, is, is just stunningly powerful. So the work that you're doing is so beautifully aligned already with these impulses in you. I, does it feel that way for me? Yeah, from the moment you started to break down the advisor again people who have been through my programs are probably like i know they're definitely like yep that's patrice that sounds right i am so big about creating safe spaces for people to not only awaken to to embracing their purpose more fully in the marketplace but a safe space where they can get the clarity, where they can have their questions answered, where they can build sisterhood, where they can be vulnerable, where they can admit some of the trauma that has kept them from moving forward. And we have such deep conversations in our communities that many people will tell me, I would have never done, I would have never thought that in a quote unquote coaching program, all of this would happen. And so we say now it's so much more than a business program. You can change your life and business 
in these programs because it feels so safe and we literally have built or curated the environment where people could build lifelong friendships, partnerships, mm -hmm. relationships. I literally just today was on a podcast with one client who's saying I, I just launched a business with another client and this this other client who's my sister is going to be in my 10-year vow renewal like the connections have been so beautiful and it has really been the thing the catalyst I believe to help people fully embrace and walk in their purpose which is all I ever wanted to begin with for yeah fun, so. I love that no I love that um and you know what's interesting too is now um the conversation around what people are now calling psychological safety, like in especially work environments, has now become really centered in a way that it 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 never was, you know. And especially, you know, like so that's important for anyone to feel okay. But in for, for any person, for any group that has been sort of like traditionally felt marginalized or underrepresented or without like, you know, like the safety needed to actually say, like, no, this is who I am. This is what's on my mind. And, and this is what's going on. Um, I, I think the, the renewed focus on creating that yeah. within any work environment is just so important. And the question now is whether people are going to like move beyond talking about it and actually really build it into the experience of work. Um, and I really hope so, because it is so necessary. Yeah. Okay, now let's get to my last one here. <laughs> the essentialist. And this I, probably won't even surprise you. <laughs> so you and I share that. And I, I have this weird feeling that a lot of founders and entrepreneurs have that as their um, as their anti-spark type. So again, the anti is the thing. It's the work where it's just the heaviest lift. It's the it takes the most amount of recovery, um, the most amount of external motivation to, to even get you to do it. And the interesting thing is. It's not that this work isn't important and it's not that you don't really benefit from it and, and love it when it's being done. You do. And you may have actually gotten pretty skilled at it, especially if you're a founder, because in the early days, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not resourced to have anybody else do it. So you just, and you know it's so important. So you normally just heads down, let me just figure this out, let me do it. So you may be skilled at it. And the skill makes you, you know, like makes it a little bit more okay. But competence doesn't buy your way out of the sort of the emptying feeling that this type of work does for you. So the essentialist, the impulse, the work of the essentialist is to create order from chaos. It's about systems. It's about process. It's about clarity. It's about utility, right? So I, I'm like, like I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> when I have to do this, I just kind of want to cry. I do um, too. So, you know, like, but thankfully people on our team, like we have this, impulse where you know, like, you know, the producer for, for Good Life Project podcast is an essentialist. And we manage you know, like this massive editorial calendar of 40 different episodes in many different stages of production at any given time. And I'm so happy that that's done. I'm so happy that my producer has created this incredible system that gives clarity and ease to all of us. And, um, and I'm really, really happy that I wasn't the one who had to create it and maintain it also. <laughs> Because for some reason, and this is it's it's not about rational or not. It's just there's something about that type of work that tends to be a heavier lift for me. Um, so knowing that about myself, um, you know, that tends to be whenever I'm building something, it tends to be one of the first things that I try and, and figure out ways to have other people um, resource those types of things because miraculously there are other people who wake up in the morning and all they want to do is that. And I couldn't yeah. conceive of that, you know, until I started to go a lot deeper into this work. And then I'm like, oh, actually, like she loves doing this work. I'm thinking of my producer. Um, so, so, so we share that. We both have the essentialist as the anti. Um, and but what's interesting also is that for people who actually listen and take the assessment and they get the essentialist as their uh, primary, like that's the main thing they wake up in the morning to do, that work is so indispensable you will find yourself forever um always having opportunity presented to you if anything the biggest issue is actually having boundaries because once people find out that you both are skilled at this and you just intrinsically want to do more of it you love you love doing it 
everyone will start to hand off their essentialist work for to you to do. And it becomes really important for you to, to create healthy boundaries so that you can actually say, no, I like doing this work, but not for everybody all the time with every waking hour that I have. That is so good. And I'm sure that each archetype kind of has obviously those pros, but then some cons, like what do you need to be aware of? And the thing that drops in my spirit immediately is that as the sage or, or, and or advisor, sometimes I don't know when to stop, yeah. right? Because when I was first starting and I wanted to just get out there and share the good news, right? Share the message, everything that came in, I said yes to. And then it became, well, obviously there's only so much time and you need to take care of yourself. So then it became, okay, I'm gonna choose between good opportunities and not so good, right? So that seems easy, but then it became good and great. And then it became great and phenomenal. Okay, so the great things are no, I'll go for the phenomenal. And now I'm at a point in my career where even though so many of the opportunities that come are phenomenal, I have to actually ask myself, is it fulfilling? Not just phenomenal, but is it fulfilling? And going back to, is it an alignment and does this have the greatest impact? Because I'm also comfortable with impacting an audience of one, but it isn't right it, it it doesn't make as much sense anymore right and i have to decipher between so many different opportunities because i just want to spread the news and it took some time it's taken some yeah. years for me to learn to say no and sometimes i still have to put team members in place who will say no before i even know that it, there was an invitation right they we had to create a system for how we even evaluate what we say yes and no to because there's just so many things I could be doing and I yeah. want to share. I, I, so I have a friend of mine, he's a founder of a company and, um, and, and the team run, they, they use Slack to communicate and they have a channel in Slack that's called um, the hand slap channel. And it basically everybody in the company is empowered to essentially go onto that channel when they see the founder just kind of like doing way too much and saying yes to way too many things, kind of being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> This is like, I realize it's, it's from a place of joy and abundance and service and it's too much. Like you actually can have too much of a good thing. Um, it, it, so what's interesting about the sparkotypes, all 10 sparkotypes, they fall along what we call the satisfaction spectrum. And on the one hand, they're very process fulfilled. So like a maker and a maven, which is all about the process of creation or the immersion and learning, they can go deep into those processes and get everything that they want, be super, super satisfied. And all the way on the other end of the spectrum are people who are very service fulfilled. So uh, a nurturer who's all about elevation and lifting others up. Um, the advisor and the advocate are on that spectrum also um, can be incredibly fulfilled by being of deep service to others. But those same points on the spectrum also show you where when you sort of, when you're on overwhelm, um, people on the process side, they, um, they end up basically stumbling into obsession and people on the service side stumble into depletion. Mm. Um, so when you actually doing too much of this thing, when you're over committing to doing it, when you can't pull out of it, you know, and you're on that service side, uh, which both of, of your types are on the, on the primary and the shadow, then you can fall into a place of depletion. Like there's so much outflow that you've got to sort of pull back a little bit and make sure that there's nourishment and, and inflow going in to keep you healthy. Oh, so good. And boy, did I learn this the hard way. I think we all do, right? Yeah, <laughs> I learned this the hard way. There's also, I know you did a blog um, called The Five Saboteurs of an Entrepreneur. I think you, you kind of touched on some of those, um, like overgiving, um, or lone wolfing. You have a couple others though. One was story blindness. Can you touch on that? So I'm trying to remember it because it goes way, way, way back into my blog. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me open it back up so I can refresh your memory. Cause I okay. thought it was, um, I thought it was brilliant and I just took notes. So I'm going to go back. 
So the story blindness, um, it was talking about, we know in our souls what we're here to do. We know our mission and we know our backstory, the thing that fuels us to do something that matters, right? Um, but then there's this point where the story is so visceral or personal or so deep that we start to take for granted how it can actually be impactful to the work that yeah. we're doing. Yeah, and I think we all do, like so many of us, um, when, when, so we live certain stories and the certain stories we tell ourselves and, and our life is, is one big story, right? Mm -hmm. And when something becomes so natural to us, when it becomes just the story, we've told it a thousand times, we've lived it every moment of every day, um, that we don't realize there's anything exceptional or differentiated about it. And we don't realize that there's embedded within that are hints about how we might step into the world, how we might relate to others, how we might be of service to others, how we might provide value to others. Um, and we kind of lose track of the fact that embedded in that story of ours are all sorts of tells um, that would really give us direction and help us make decisions and help understand like how, how do I step into the world in a way where I'm living at and serving at the sweet spot of what really makes me come alive and what other people are looking for and open to saying yes to. Yeah, and I just love that point because I think about my own career and how had I not started to share the actual story of why I wanted to redefine wealth, right? Why I wanted to do it for myself and then share with others, my whole bathroom floor going from a seven figure business to scraping up change and being on welfare. Like had I not told that story, I don't think the very people that I was feeling called to serve would truly understand my heart for why I do what I do. And therefore I believe no, that I was their person. And I also do like a story um, or a speaker training called command the stage. And it's the thing that I see that keeps a lot of people from actually moving forward, I believe in what would actually spark them is they don't acknowledge the place that that story has in the bigger picture. And it's like that thing, many people have been through that or that's not such a big deal or that wasn't that traumatic. And we start to compare and diminish and dismiss the very stories that I believe we were given so that we could step into purpose and lead lives that were more fulfilling or meaningful and, yeah. and really get an opportunity to express our fullest potential. Uh, I so agree with that. I love that you brought that up. Um, and, and I agree and like, as, as somebody who you know, like speaks um, often and has for years, I, I've, I've stumbled that same way. I've been like, oh, that I'm always looking for the grand story, like the big narrative arc, not really, you no, know, is that like quirky conversation at the deli? You know, where like it's so universal and something happened that was so real and vulnerable. Um, I've seen so many people share these beautiful um, moments at just like everyday moments that are so incredible, um, that, that are the difference makers. And, and don't you think that's also a lesson, not just for um, how to find the moments to share from the stage that are ordinary moments, but also how to, how to sort of how to rediscover the fact that so many of those ordinary moments have magic in them and we shouldn't just blow past them. You know, like, let's actually just savor them a little bit more. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I do. I, I think that there are such, we look for the big defining moment, but I think that there are little moments that define who I'm becoming as a woman, as a mother, as a podcaster, as an author, as just a Patrice Washington every day. Like every day I notice something new, walking down the same street I walk down every day. <laughs> like I still can notice something new and have a new experience. And all of those things are making me who I am for the better, I believe. So this was so good. I promise you, I am so in love with the work that you're doing. How can people take their assessment? What's the link that they go to? Yeah, if you just go to sparkatype.com, that's that's spark the letter E and type. And actually, even if you forget the letter E in the middle, you just go to sparktype.com, it'll still get you the same place. Very smart. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, or if you literally just Google, Google the word, you'll you'll find it. The assessment's completely free. It's available online for anybody to take. 
And I'm telling you, spot on. I sat up in the bed reading this and I'm like, yes, for each one, the primary, the shadow. Uh, I keep messing up the third one. Oh, the anti. <laughs> the anti. I don't know why I keep like screwing that up, but all three of them were like spot on. And they just made me feel like, girl, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. It just is what it is. It's okay that you're not a tech wizard. No one needs you to be a tech wizard. As long as you can turn your mic and your camera on, let the people who love the essentialist work do their thing. Don't argue with them. Don't get in their way. <laughs> like, Just do what you're called to do um, and everything will be okay. Uh, before I let you go, I would love to ask you what we call some redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. Cool. You're just gonna tell us the first thing that comes to mind. So Jonathan, how do you define success? Um, the ability to spend the greatest amount of time absorbed in activities and relationships that make me come alive um, while in some way, shape, or form knowing that somebody who has no idea these interactions or relationships exist is benefiting. Oh, so good. Okay. Define wealth in three words or less. Um, love. Uh, abundance and compassion. Mm. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth for yourself? Man's Search for Meaning, uh, Victor Frankl's book just really moved me deeply and reconnected me to the fact that there's something beyond money, status, power, even happiness that is like deeply nourishing and sustaining even when times are hard and you struggle. So good. And you're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. Mm. My name is Jonathan Fields. And for me, the truth about wealth is it's so much more expensive than we sometimes think it is. Mm. Okay, wait, you got to go deeper. I know it's supposed to be quick, <laughs> but just tell me a little bit more. That I, I think the immediate association with wealth is money, status, power. Not that those things don't matter. Let's acknowledge the fact that like mm -hmm. they help, um, but those alone won't make you feel wealthy. I have known, worked with, befriended some of the most traditionally wealthiest people in the planet um, by those standards. Um, many of them weren't happy. Um, they were anxious. They were, they were subject to all of the other things um, that we think that that definition of wealth will earn us out of. Mm. Um, and they still yearned for connection. They still yearned for deep, open, vulnerable relationships. They still yearned to love and be loved. They still yearned for um, compassion for their humanity and the ability to actually offer the same. Um, so I just, I think it's more expansive. I think the immediate association um, because like, wh when do we most often hear the word wealth or like in the popular conversation, it's, it's around money. And, the, and it's usually wrapped with one other word, which is like management, like wealth management. Mm. You know, that's sort of like when it comes into us. Um, but what if it was just much more expensive? You know, um, yeah. I, some of the wealthiest people I know, they do okay. Um, but they're the ones who actually, they're the ones who stop and savor. They're the ones who walk hand in hand with you know, like an old friend. They're the ones who actually take the time to enjoy whatever the moment is um, because they don't know what's coming next. And to me, wealth is much more, you know, there's a long view of wealth, but there's also wealth is, is a savoring what's here now. Jonathan, that was so good. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I'm so grateful you were here. Oh, the audience is gonna be so blessed by this work. I know so many purpose chasers all over the world are heading to sparkatype.com to do their assessment and definitely make sure you check out the Good Life Project podcast as well. And Jonathan's book, How to Live a Good Life, Soulful Story, Surprising Science and Practical Wisdom. Jonathan Fields, thank you for being on the Redefining Wealth podcast. I appreciate uh, you so much. Thank you so much for having me, it's been a pleasure. 
Okay, didn't I tell you that this episode was going to be full of so many goodies? I feel so aligned with Jonathan Fields' work. Taking that Sparkotype assessment, I know you heard me say this in the episode over and over again, but boy, was it spot on. And if you are looking to confirm what you already know about your purpose, or you're really just kind of still on the fence wondering what it is you've really been gifted to do. I always say that it's not a matter of looking for your purpose. For many of us, it's just embracing what's already been there. And so when you go to sparkatype.com and you answer the questions, it really is about acknowledging what you've already been doing and how you've already been showing up. Now it's just time for you to own it. And speaking of owning it, your purpose, I want to invite you again to the Created for Purpose Challenge. That's right, come join me and thousands of purpose chasers from all over the world. I will be live streaming on multiple platforms. So wherever you feel most comfortable, we're going to be together, going deeper into what it looks like to take this thing, maybe this sparkotype that you now understand and use it in the marketplace in a way that's powerful in a way that feels really aligned and authentic for you because there is no greater joy and fulfillment that I've had over these last several years, this last decade, than really just showing up as myself and doing the work that I was just called to do. And I don't have to force or manipulate or plot, you know, like I plan, I strategize, but I'm also completely just sold out for the vision. Uh, not attached to how I get there. And I think that's probably really in alignment with being a sage. I, I don't know. I think so. But come on over. Thepurposechallenge.com is completely free. I'm doing tons of giveaways of my products, of my programs, of my books. And more than anything, you're going to be inspired and encouraged, empowered, and blessed to be committed to doing the work that brings you the most joy and meaning and fulfillment. All right. Listen, until next time. I just want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.